All right, Matthew, the 22nd chapter. We've been going through the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, teaching you what Jesus taught people. That's part of the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody, not just trying to get everybody to pray a prayer. He says, go and tell them to obey what I told you to obey. Most people are clueless. They have no idea what Jesus told them to obey. You ask people, what are Jesus' commandments? They have no idea. They barely know the Ten Commandments. Jesus gave lots of commands about how to live life. So we intentionally have gone through the gospel to show this is what Jesus taught and how we need to work through that. Now, we are at the 22nd chapter of Matthew at the end, starting at verse 41, where Jesus, uh, he's, in, he's in his final week on earth now, okay? So... He comes in the morning into Jerusalem with his disciples. He preaches and teaches to these big crowds of people. They're amazed to hear what he has to say. Uh, he ticks off the Pharisees who hated his guts. They were trying to kill him for a long time. Uh, but they didn't know how to get him because they couldn't arrest him during the day because of all the people. So they thought, well, if we could just find out where he's at night, we could sneak in and get him. Well, nothing happened until Judas comes along. That was the betrayal. What did he do? All Judas said is, I know where he is. I'll tell you where he is. That was the big deal, because now when they knew where he was, at night they could go get him and throw him uh, into jail and have him crucified right away before anybody could do anything about it. So anyway, this is that final week, coming in every morning, preaching and teaching to these big crowds. So, and he's kind of egging on the Pharisees at this point. He's about to really get mean to them in a second. But he's egging them on a little bit, debating with them. One of the things that the Pharisees debated was about the idea of the Messiah. Is the Messiah really the son of God or is he just like a hero kind of character? Some big, you know, guy we can look up to who will get us away from the Romans and help establish, you know, the Jewish nation. Uh, they figured, they come to the conclusion that, well, we just think the Messiah is the son of David. And, uh, and Jesus was from the line of David. Mary, his mother, was, you can see this in the Bible, trains his uh, the line all the way back to David. Even Joseph was also trained, uh, traced back to the line of David. But he, Jesus was actually not, didn't have a physical father. He had a uh, heavenly father. Uh, hence, the son of God. So anyway, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Well, they said, well, he's the son of David. And Jesus said, well, how come David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? See, in the Old Testament, David prophesied about the Messiah. And when he did so, he referred to him as Lord. And Jesus now quotes to them some of the words that David used about the Messiah. And he quotes it here. He says, now the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. He's talking about the Messiah until I put your enemies under your feet. And Jesus said, well, if David calls him Lord, then how can he be his son? And it says no one could say a word in reply. They didn't know how to answer him. And from that day on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So he basically kind of slapped him down on this idea that the Messiah would just be a man. And uh, pointing out that he, in fact, is uh, from God and God in the flesh. Okay, now we come to chapter 23. Now, we're in the final, final, final thing. This is actually, Jesus, according to Matthew, his final public talk to all these people as they came in and to Jerusalem to hear him. Uh, after this, when he's done with this talk, then he goes with his disciples and he speaks quietly just to them. And he starts telling them about the end of the world. We're going to be getting into that. It's going to be kind of interesting as we read about what Jesus said, what the end of the world is going to be like. So you don't want to miss any Sundays and come check out this thing. Are we in the last days? What's it look like? Jesus talks about it. We're going to be dealing with that. And then Jesus finally finishes with three parables, which basically all tie into this idea of the end of the world and judgment day and stuff like that. And then he's done. 
When he's done with that, we'll be done with Matthew. Because from that point on, now he's going to be arrested and crucified. That's stuff that we go over every year uh, uh, at Easter time. Just like we skipped over the first part of Matthew that was all the Christmas story because we go over that every year at Christmas. And, uh, and then we'll be pretty much done with Matthew. So we're getting to the end here. Okay? Um, so anyway, uh, chapter 23 now. Now he's speaking plainly. He's not speaking in parables. He's been speaking, telling stories. What about this? And Some people had no idea what he's talking about. Other people, oh, I, I, I get the analogy, whatever. Well, now he's just in your face, plain, upfront, clear as he can possibly be. And what he does is he just starts beating the snot out of the Pharisees. He goes off. This is his final speech about the religious leaders of the day. Now keep in mind, there's a huge crowd of people that would come to hear Jesus speak. And the Pharisees were right there. So the whole time he's saying these insulting things, they're standing right there. All right? So let's take a look at it. What did Jesus say? Then Jesus said to the crowds and his, to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they're in charge. They are the leaders, the spiritual leaders, whatever, of, uh, of the day. So you must be careful. Everybody say, be careful. be careful. Be careful to do everything they tell you. Now, this is important. I want to talk about just a little bit for this. And uh, when I was first doing this, I thought this was going to be a little uncomfortable because it's going to seem self-serving. But it's not about just self-serving. It's, it's just the truth. It's what Jesus said. And this is true in all churches and everywhere. And that is this. We are supposed to show respect to people who are in authority, particularly in the kingdom of God. Now, our nation today is in a bad place. I don't think anybody needs to be a rocket science to figure this out. America's in trouble, and we are headed just straight. The good news is it's going to take a long time for it to fall apart. The bad news is it's falling apart. But for the grace of God, we're headed in a bad place. Lots of reasons for it. One of the signs of it is an absolute uh, hatred and disgust for authority. When you have no respect for authority, a nation cannot sustain itself. And in America, we have very little respect for authority. We uh, do not respect the president. It's one thing to disagree with him, but it's way beyond that. The nasty, crude talk, there's no respect. We don't respect the members of Congress. We don't respect anybody. We don't respect teachers. I feel sorry for those of you who are teachers in school. Good Lord, teachers get eaten alive by parents. Some of you, shame on you. Go psycho crazy on the parents because they told your little Bobby he couldn't do such and such. How dare you tell Bobby he can't? Literally, how about you teach your kid to have respect for the teacher? Bob, the teacher said such and such. Yeah, respect. You know, <laughs> now when I was growing up, they could hit you. All right? You guys remember this? My teacher would haul off and slap me upside the head. I did not go tell my mom. Because she'd slap me harder. Right? Today, if they so much as sneeze at you, ah, he sneezes at me. The parents would come and just rip the teacher out of Because we have no respect for teachers. We have no respect for police officers. I can't tell how many times I've seen somebody pulled over the side of the road by a cop and the guy sitting there screaming and cursing at the cop. I think, seriously? The man has a gun. <laughs> How stupid are you? Somebody's got a gun? You're very nice to the man with the gun. You know what I'm saying? I get pulled over, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're right. I'm sorry. Have mercy. You know. Carl, you stupid. I mean, it's gotten bad. 
And it's bad in churches. And if there's any hope for our nation, the Bible says judgment has to begin with the house of God. If we can't get it right, there's no hope for our country. And there is very little respect for people in churches today towards their pastors. Uh, we think we only have to listen to them so long as we agree with everything they say. And the minute we don't agree with what they say, they can stuff it. And they can stick it. And I don't have to agree because he did this. And, and he said this to me. It wasn't what he said. It was the way he said it. Like, ah! Now it's interesting. Jesus is telling them, you need to listen to the Pharisees because they're in a place of authority. You need to be careful to do what they say to do. But then he goes on and for the next line, he talks about what wicked, rotten, hell-bound hypocrites these people are. Now I think... I'm hopeful I'm not in that category. I don't, I don't think I'm hellbound heathen, all right? But we think, no, as long as we don't agree with them, I don't have to listen to them. And I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're wrong. You need, and if you don't want to listen to me, you go to someplace else, you're going to go, you need to listen to them. But the problem is people flip from church to church to church to church, and we're only happy as long as we get to do what we think we should do. And if the pastor changes things, and I don't like it, I don't have to put up with it. And he can stuff it. Uh, okay, fine. It's just another sign of the amount of disrespect that is in the kingdom of God, and certainly in our culture. God, help us to get it right here. Hopefully, we'll be able to get it right out there. We'll never change the world if we have our heads in a bad place. And I'm telling you, this church, with the majority of churches I know, have this happen all the time. I will change something and people who last week told me they loved me passionately will hate me tomorrow and say evil things about me and terrible things. I don't have to listen. He's not my pastor because he's not listening to the spirit. Really? These guys are going to hell. Man, to listen to them. Good grief. I mean, seriously, just relax. And I said, listen, if, you, if I haven't offended you at some point, you're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, people clap. <laughs> things change, and I'm going to change things. There'll be change in the years to come. How are you going to handle it? You're going to go, man, I don't know that stupid pastor anymore. He's just a frozen trauma. Really? You know, it's been enough months, and I can finally talk about it. We quit having the choir up here every Sunday. Oh, my gosh, you think I was the Antichrist. Mark, stupid, wicked pastor, he's a blankety, frazzled shark, and I don't have to listen to him anymore, because he Really? That's your... These guys are going to hell. You have to listen to them, but you don't have to listen to a pastor if he changes the singers on the stage. <laughs> People have lost their minds, and all it is is an extension of disrespect. And People get mad, and they lay charges to me. He, he's That pastor, he's not accountable. What, what they mean by that is there's no system in our church to force the pastor to do what we want him to do. And people don't like that in this church. Now, there's lots of churches, lots of evangelical churches uh, have the system where everybody votes on everything. It's like a big club. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the uh, local flying club, you know. <laughs> they all get together and have their votes, and everybody fights like cats and dogs. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a club. Who cares? But churches act like this. Shouldn't be like this in churches. And the church, you know, they vote on everything. They're, you know, they vote on the carpet. So we don't do that kind of nonsense. First of all, nobody would have voted for this. <laughs> Man, if I ever start having a flashback from my hippie days, you'll know why. Looking at this, oh, I'll start hallucinating, fall off the stage. Oh, he had another flashback, you know. 
We really got to change this. It's nasty. But anyway, voting on a choir, you know, this and that. Just really stop, okay? He who has an ear, let him hear. I believe God's word is true. This will go to hearts of many and others of you. There's nothing I could say. The minute I do something you don't like, you will tell me to stick it. You'll hug me today. You'll love me today. The minute we do something that you don't like because Johnny didn't like it or someone doesn't get to sing or there's some change and we got the lights different or something like that, you will tell me to stick it and you'll leave this place. And I feel sorry for you because you're probably going to do it the next place and then the next place. And then at some point, we need to stop. We need to treat people with respect. Now, no one is advocating that if I start teaching false things from the Bible or living immorality and stealing money or something you have to stick around. Nobody's advocating that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking just basic respect. And by the way, your children need to respect the pastors in this church. Okay? Um, We're not into titles, and even Jesus condemns titles in a second here. But, you know, your children shouldn't be walking up to me and say, Hi, Marky. Eight-year-old snotted those kids, you know, don't call me Marky. It's Pastor Mark to you, all right? Now the adults, you don't have to call me Marky. You can call me anything, I don't care, as an adult. But you're chilling, a little respect. The same with Pastor Lathan and Pastor Chad and Pastor Ross and anybody else. And those people, you know, in the church, they, they leave the church because Pastor Chad did something. Oh, it's just horrible. He didn't smile at him right or something. And the minute they think, I, you do something I don't agree with, I don't have to respect you anymore. And I'm telling you, they're wrong. Because Jesus is about to talk about what wicked, rotten, hell-bound snakes these people are. And he starts out by saying, you be careful to do everything they say. Because they have a place with them. That's what Jesus taught. Anybody who just flips out and runs around, gets mad and leaves and criticizes stuff because some pastor changes something they don't like, does not understand what Jesus taught. So you be careful, do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do because they're hypocrites. They they, they don't practice what they preach. Verse 4, they tie heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long, all these religious robes that they wore. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi, rabbi, hello, rabbi. This is where we get to the titles again. Your children, I expect them to call me past the rest of you. Call me whatever you want. But... uh, because we're not in the titles around here. Jesus clearly says in verse 8, you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. You do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he's in heaven. Now, this isn't just a slam on Catholics. There are several denominations who do this. I don't know how they get around this. I'm sure they have an explanation. How Jesus said, don't call anybody on, on earth father, and every one of their priests they call fathers, I don't get it, okay? On a scale of, you know, it's a small deal. It's not a big, I call them fathers. That's their name, father so-and-so. Better than hey you, you know. So, but uh, that's, that's up to them. I'm sure they have a wonderful explanation. Ask them. Don't ask me. Nor are you to be called instructors. Other translations say masters, you know, for you have one instructor or master. That's the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. This isn't about when you get into the kingdom of God. It's about you having power. And no one around here is trying to claim power. Okay? But still, there needs to be respect. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be uh, 
exalted. Then he goes on, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. How do they do that? By making it real complicated to, be, to follow God. You have to buy all their little rules. If you didn't all the rules and have everything just this way. And it made it hard for people even to convert to faith because they made it so complicated. He says, you, make, you can't get people in the kingdom of God. You yourselves do not enter. <laughs> Basically tell them they're going to hell. Nor will you let those who enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you've made them twice as much a child of hell as you are. They're standing right there. Can you imagine how red-faced they are? They are furious. He's just going psycho on these people, man. Totally postal. And he's just going after these people. And everybody's watching, looking at the Pharisees. Telling them they're twice as much a child of hell as they are themselves. Woe to you, blind guides. And then he talks, Jesus starts talking about something that just irritates them. Because the Pharisees were nitpicking pinheads. Religious people tend to be nitpicking pinheads. And they find little things to pick at all the time. They become very legalistic and stuff. And they add stuff. Christians do this. You know, they'll, you know, the, uh, an example would be the Bible says don't get drunk. So a lot of Christians, well, well, that means you can't drink at all. It doesn't say that. Well, you can't get drunk if you don't drink. And you can't do this. And you can't go anyplace that does that. You, gotta, you know, it's, it's, uh, people who are legalists, it's like the rule is your children can't play in the street. Good rule, right? Well, then a legalist comes along and says, well, then they can't play in the yard. Because if they play in the yard, they'll be tempted to play in the street. And then another legalist will come along and say, no, they, 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 when they play inside, they have to have the curtain shut. Because if the curtains are open, they'll look outside, they'll be tempted to go in the yard, and then they'll go into the street. And then another legalist will come along and say, no, children can only play in the basement. Because if they play upstairs, they'll be tempted to look outside the curtain, they'll see the yard, go out in the yard, and then they'll end up in the street. So the children are stuck in the basement turning white and pale because they haven't had sunshine in years, okay? <laughs> That's what legalistic pinheads do. They take what God says and they add to it. I've got news for you. God doesn't need your help, okay? We just teach what God says. We don't need you coming along adding a bunch of rules to it. Well, these nitwits, they came along and uh, now people back in those days were very big on swearing. To, I swear to God and I make this vow to God. Jesus taught earlier you shouldn't do this at all. By the way, if you do this, stop it. Do not do this. Don't be saying, God, I swear to you, or I swear on my mother's grave, or I swear by the heavens, I swear. Quit, stop that. You're not supposed to do that. Jesus said, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Well, these pinheads went around and said, well, when you swear, it only depends on what you're swearing on and what really matters and stuff. So Jesus goes off on them. He says, you blind guys, you say if anyone swears by the temple, it doesn't mean anything. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, well, now that's a different matter. Well, and that, they got to do that. And you blind fools, which is greater, the gold of the temple or, that, uh, or the temple that makes it sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by the oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. Anyone who swears by the temple swears at it and, and by the one who dwells in it. Anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. And so it's just getting in their face about being, you know, nitpicking, always trying to figure out ways to get around stuff. If you do it, you're stuck by it, which he'd already said, don't do it anyway. Then he goes on, whoa, they're standing right there. Whoa to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, 
you hypocrites. You give a tenth. The Bible is very clear throughout the whole Old Testament about giving 10% of your money back to God. Some of you have a fit about that, but yell at Jesus. All right? Uh, and, you're, and, and, and these guys would be paid in mint and dill and all these different things. He says, you're careful to give that tenth. But you've neglected. By the way, people say Jesus never talked about tithing. Wrong. Okay? But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Well, yeah, pastor, that's the more important. They, they didn't, he talked about tithing, but that's the more important. And Jesus said you should practice the latter. Yeah. Without neglecting the all right. Don't neglect the former. You're supposed to do it all. You blind guys, you strain. Now, this is a very famous scene. There's a lot of things in the English vernacular, phrases and stuff like that, that lots of people use all the time. And a lot of people don't even know it comes from the Bible. You know, like when Jesus said, give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. That's what Jesus said. Here's a very famous, you know, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. A lot of people, they don't even know Jesus said it. This is another big famous thing that Jesus said. You strain at a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Jesus said, he was talking about these religious pinheads who got real picky about little stuff, but they missed the whole point in the first place. That's what it means to strain at a gnat and swallow uh, a camel. Verse 25, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisee, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. I mean, standing there had to be really uncomfortable hearing this. Just as he's yelling at these, these guys are standing there, and every time he insults them, they're like, whoa. Goes on, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. Now these are, you have to understand what he's getting off now. He just goes off on these guys. God, throughout the centuries, had sent prophets to Israel. And the people in charge were always rebel against God, and they'd kill those prophets. Well, then these guys come along and they, oh, no, we wouldn't have done that. And Jesus goes, but they're planning to kill him. So Jesus said, you know, you build tombs for the prophets, decorate their graves. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. He says, so you testify against yourselves that you're part of this goofy group, the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. He knew they were planning to kill him. He told his disciples. In fact, he's about to tell them, in two days, they're going to kill me. And uh, they never quite got it. The the crucifixion was no surprise to Jesus. He knew exactly what was going to happen and warned his guys it was going to happen. So, verse 33, if he hasn't insulted them enough, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Holy cow. (laughs) Yikes. Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages and teachers talking about the church starting and preachers going out. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood. He's basically dumping on them the guilt of all the people who've been killed ahead of them because they're going to kill the Messiah. On you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? All the way to the blood of Zechariah the son of Berechai, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come on this generation. And Jesus' final words, as recorded by Matthew, publicly to people. Again, we're about to see him talk about the end of the world privately to his disciples. But his final words to all of them was, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets 
and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's talking about when he shall return that second time is when they will finally acknowledge that he is the Messiah. When is that going to happen? We're going to be taking a look at that in the weeks to come as we, as we continue to look at all of this stuff. Anyway, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Tough, hard words you spoke, Lord, <laughs> to these men. Help us not to be caught up in hypocrisy and all these kind of pharisaical, legalistic nonsense things and keep faith simple. Uh, but Lord, also to learn the lesson from today that even as wicked and as nasty as these people were, they were to be treated with respect. Too many of us, Lord, because we disagree with the policies of a politician, because we disagree with the movement of a teacher or the call of a police officer or certainly the decision of a pastor, we get so disrespectful and we are so nasty. God, forgive us. Help us to start treating people with respect and to stop thinking that we don't have to give respect as soon as somebody does something we don't agree with. Because Lord, clearly you told these people to respect even these guys who are really bad people. Help us to be respectful people, we pray. Help us to have it begin in the church. God, if we can't get this right in the church, there'll be no help for our, or hope for our nation. Help people of faith to start treating life and approaching life correctly so we can properly affect the world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Amen.